Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. The book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 32. Again, a message that was inspired as I'm reading through our Bible reading plan. I want to encourage you, um, you still have, let's see, September, October, November, you still have four months to be part of our Bible reading plan this year, and that is one-third of the year. That's still a significant portion of time that you can make uh, an investment in the Word of God, your relationship with God through His Word. And uh, I want to encourage you um, how often I am inspired to preach directly from the scriptures that I'm reading in the daily Bible reading program. So please join with us in that. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32. It's an incredible story that I want to share with you here this morning. Um, As you're turning there, I want to relate to you a story of a college student. His name was Sam. Uh, Sorry, his name was Steve. And he was delivering pizzas for Pizza Hut. One evening, he delivered a meal to Bernie's house. He hands over the pizza. Bernie pays the bill. And Steve stands there, kind of awkwardly, until Bernie finally says, I suppose you also want me to give you a tip. Steve doesn't answer immediately, looks at Bernie for a few seconds, said, yes, sir, that would be most appreciated especially as the guy who normally delivers to this area told me that I shouldn't expect very much from you. He said, I should be thankful even if I got $2. Well, said Bernie, just to prove your friend wrong, here's $5 for your efforts. Well, thank you very much, said Steve. That will go to my education fund. Really, says Bernie, and what is your major? Steve replied, Applied psychology. He figured out a way to make him give. Uh, In our scripture, we are going to see how God figures out a way in, in, in a way that we cannot even imagine. We have an account of the life of King Hezekiah. I preached a similar message from King Hezekiah a few weeks ago. But I want, to, uh, I want to take the opportunity to, to share some, some additional thoughts. As you'll know from reading the Word of God, many of these events are, uh, are described more than one time in the Bible. This is one of those occasions where we've read uh, in 2 Kings already, chapter 18, where it says about King Hezekiah, verse 3, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, before or after him. 
Hezekiah holds a position in the history of Israel as perhaps one of the greatest kings besides David or Solomon himself. It says uh, then in, uh, in, uh, in chapter 32, verse 24, that in those days Hezekiah became ill, was at the point of death. We've read about this before. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him the miraculous sign. And what was that sign? God made the sun go backward by 10 degrees. Now just let that boggle your mind for a second. What, is, what, what would have to happen for the sun to go backward 10 degrees? We know that the sun is stationary in the sky. It is the earth that is moving around the sun. That means that the earth had uh, reversed its, its, uh, its direction for a few moments. What an incredible miracle. So, uh, so then this miracle began to put a series of, of events in motion that I want to preach about this morning. In our scripture, verse 31, it says, When envoys were sent to the rulers of Babylon to ask him about this miraculous sign or a wonder, that it occurred in the land, God left him to test him and know everything that was in his heart. Switching back to 2 Kings, uh, the, sec- the, the first account of this story, 2 Kings 20, verse 13, it says, Hezekiah received the envoys and showed them all that was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, all that was in the kingdom. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace will be carried off to Babylon, and some of your descendants will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That is not a good thing, by the way. Um, And so what we see is that even though Hezekiah had this incredible record of faithfulness and obedience to God, he makes a stupid mistake. And that stupid mistake is rooted in arrogance and pride. It's an issue of character this morning. And so even though this man experienced some of the greatest miracles, he had some of the most faithful expectations from God, there is a mistake that we want to highlight in his life that I believe can help us to be closer to God. And this is a message I've titled, Character Over Reputation. And if you'll get this revelation today, it'll help you to live for God, not when everybody has a spotlight on you, but when you're all alone by yourself. Because that's what the definition of character is. Not what everybody sees. That's what reputation is. Reputation is what people think about you. That's also important in life. However, character is far more important. And I want to encourage you this morning, character over reputation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in your house today. I'm praying, God, that you would speak to hearts, that you would, uh, that you would move in the Holy Ghost. God, bring the Spirit of God into this service today. Lord, let me speak your words of life that would encourage and help us in this place. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, which washes us clean and gives us opportunity to live for you. God, to do greater than what we can do in our own strength. And I thank you and I trust you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Character over reputation. Now, as I've uh, already mentioned, Hezekiah is, is a remarkable king in the Old Testament. And I want to take just a little bit of time to remind you why. So not only did he live up to the gold standard of David, his father, 
Not only did he live up to that expectation, he actually far surpassed, rather, surpassed his father David and all the other kings who ever reigned in Judah. This is according to the word of God. This is not my opinion. In 2 Kings 18, you'll read that, verse 3 and 5, greater than all the kings of Israel, either before or after. So then in 2 Chronicles 29, we read how he had restored the temple of the living God. He also restored the practice of the Levitical priesthood and the sacrifices of worship to God in order to atone for the people's sins. He made sure that this was happening in the land, that this was going on. Hezekiah brought the nation back to a place of spirituality. Not only that, but he demolished all of the false idols that had been set up in the land. We know that if there's one sin that makes God angrier, than any sin in the Old Testament and after. It is the sin of idolatry. It is the idea that you're going to make a little statue or you're going to put some picture on the wall and you're going to worship that as if it is a God. And God says, how stupid is that? He mocks the idea often and many times. And it's amazing to me to see how quickly the people begin to reject Jehovah, the one true God, and replace him with their little statues and their little idols. It's a good thing we don't do that in our modern world today. Actually, we do. (laughs) The truth is, we may not replace the one true God with a little statue with a wooden face carved on it, but we replace God with many things. In the West, we've replaced God with money. In the West, we've replaced God with materialism. In the West, we've replaced God with, with ego and thinking that we're better and smarter than many people. So they might, may, may not be idols carved out of wood, but they are idols nonetheless. So Hezekiah has the record that he demolished and destroyed all idol worship throughout the land of Judah and even a few practices that had existed going all the way back to the time of Moses. You'll read this in 2 Kings 18 where there was this serpent made out of brass. It was the same one that Moses had crafted, and you remember the account in the wilderness that all the people had, uh, had there was a plague that was spreading a sickness, and they said when he, uh, when he lifted up this brass serpent that they began to look upon that serpent and they were healed. It's a beautiful picture, actually, of, of, uh, of uh, healing by the blood of Je- Jesus. said, look unto me, uh, if you'll lift me up, and all men look unto me, right, then I will be lifted up among all men. And so this is a powerful picture, but it's amazing. Over these hundreds of years since Moses had had that serpent, the thing became an idol. They began worshiping it as if it was a god. And so uh, here's Hezekiah. He sees that this was leading people to sin, and he destroyed it. So it speaks to us that uh, even things that were ingrained in the tradition and the culture of sinful uh, Hebrews, he's, he's, not, he's not above destroying things that have been there for a long time. Sometimes traditions can be wicked. And just because it's been around a long time doesn't mean that it's right. And so he has this uh, record that he destroyed the serpent made of brass. We have also, for the first time since Solomon was king, he had gathered all of Israel together to celebrate the Passover, which had not happened for 250 years, according to 2 Chronicles 30, verse 
26. Can you imagine? The same, uh, the same celebration which marked their freedom out of Israel, the Passover. The one that God directly commanded them, you should observe this every year. You should remember this. You should do this as a reminder. I set you free from your sins, from your bondage. And yet they had strayed away from that practice for 250 years. It was Hezekiah who brought the Passover back to Israel. I'm telling you all this to remind you what an incredible reformer he was, King Hezekiah. In 2 Kings 18, we read that God was with him, gave him military victory over the Philistines, and the mighty Assyrian army, which we see uh, in this chapter, an incredible, miraculous victory where Israel didn't even have to send one soldier out to fight. God said, I'll fight for you, Hezekiah. And God killed an entire army so that they had to uh, disband. God was with him. He was a modern David, establishing the worship of Jehovah, freeing Israel from oppression from their enemies. And God answered the faith of Hezekiah with three mighty miracles. Number one is the one I just mentioned, the incredible defeat of Sennacherib, the Assyrian king. The king, you can read the the account in this chapter where King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, was boasting against the Lord, was beginning to tell the people of Jerusalem, uh, uh, you think that God can save you? Well, guess what? I've brought a siege against this city, against that city. I've defeated this great city and those big cities, and I've defeated all of them. And you think you're better than all of them? There's another message there that I'd like to preach one of these days about the voice of the enemy bringing intimidation and fear. And he begins to boast against the Lord and say all these manner of wicked things. And they were shouting these evil words from outside the walls of Jerusalem, trying to discourage the people. And so Hezekiah begins to pray. And one prayer, the faith of one king. The Bible says that, uh, that when Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord, he put this this account of King Sennacherib before God, and God killed 185,000 soldiers. Not one sword was swung. Not one arrow was fired. God said, I'll do this for you, Hezekiah, because I, uh, I will cover you. I will help you. This is the difference between the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. The voice of the enemy says, look at all the odds stacked against you. Look at how impossible this seems. And God says, watch this. I'll do something that you don't even think is possible. Above and beyond your expectations. That was an incredible miracle God did for Hezekiah. Then the the incredible miracle that I preached about previously, where Hezekiah became ill. He was told by the prophet that he was going to die. Prepare your life. You're going to die. He pleads and he goes before the Lord to, to say, God, I, I, I'm not finished yet. There's, there's time. There's still things that I must accomplish for your kingdom. And God says, okay, okay, Hezekiah. You've done pretty good so far. I'll give you another 15 years. And God does this incredible, miraculous sign. Not only is he healed from his illness, but the third incredible sign is the sun moving backwards. The earth reversing its course 
so that the shadow would go back by 10 degrees. What an incredible account of miraculous uh, 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 events that surround the life of Hezekiah. And I want to just say to you that Hezekiah, uh, what we've read so far is an incredible thing for us to be inspired by, for us to be, uh, to be motivated by, that we should be like King Hezekiah. He's a great example for us to look at. But Hezekiah, like every man, is human and has flaws. And I want to tell you, um, I, I love the Bible because it does not sugarcoat the reality that men have flaws. Sometimes we have this tendency to look at somebody and the events that we know about them and say, that's a very good person or that's a very bad person. You know, we look at the events of of uh, somebody like uh, Mother Teresa. Oh, man, she spent her life, you know, feeding the poor and caring for the leprous people in India. And, you know, we look at her life. She was a great person, no doubt about it. But she had some flaws, too. I'm not trying to cut her down. I'm just saying she's a human being, not an angel. And we look at somebody who we think of as completely evil and depraved. We look at a Hitler or a Stalin or a Pol Pot or, you know, these, uh, these dictators of history who killed, multiplied millions of people. And we think to ourselves, what kind of evil has to possess a man to be able to do those evil acts? Well, you know, even somebody like that has a family, loves their wife and their children, may be able to raise children. I'm not saying that they're good people, but I'm saying that they are capable of doing good things. And we've got to be able to see people as more than just good or evil. We've got to see that there is nuance in life. And with King Hezekiah, we have seen so far, I've recounted to you the incredible uh, a testimony of grace and power and miraculous events in his life. But does it mean Hezekiah has arrived? No. This is a warning for us here this morning. Because there's people here, you've lived for God, you've got some Christian experience in your life. You've put quite a few hours on that comfy blue chair, right? You've been to a few services, you've heard a few sermons, you've prayed a few prayers, you've got some experience under your belt as a believer, and it's easy for us, actually, it's a good exercise for us to go back and remember all of the incredible miracles God has done for us. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. In fact, we should. We need to have these testimonies. We need to remember what God has done. It encourages us. It gives us strength for tomorrow. But in, those, in that experience, we must be careful not to think, God is done working on me. Because this is a great danger that you're not finished yet. You haven't sprouted your angel wings yet. There are still things that God is working on in your character. Am I the only one? I lost the amens a while ago. I'm not sure why. We, we all have issues of character that God needs to change and he needs to refine. God had given Hezekiah incredible favor and success. He had faced incredible threats against his life and against his nation and it overcome incredible victories with God. And if at any time of Hezekiah's life 
He should have been humble and relying on God. It should have been this moment. But we see there was an occasion in his life, something happened that caused him to sin. And I want to show that to you. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to besmirch the character of the king. I'm trying to help us learn from his mistake so you don't make it. What is character? Someone defined character being a strong mental or moral nature in a person that makes them resist doing wrong when others are doing it or causes them to do what's right even when threatened by danger. Does that describe you? Do you have strong mental or moral nature which will cause you to resist doing wrong even when everyone else is doing it? Or will cause you to do what's right even when faced with danger? That's a good definition of character. Somebody else said that character is what you are when nobody's watching. When there's no accountability for your life. You know, there's a big difference between, as I mentioned, reputation and character. The Bible speaks about reputation, that it is something that should be valued and highly considered. It is important what people think about you because as you gain people's trust, you also gain people's favor. It is good to have a good reputation in life, right? But reputation can only take you so far, especially with God. Reputation is what other people think about you. Character is what God knows about you. And if there is a vast difference between what people think about you and what God thinks about you, it tells me that there's an issue in your heart. And so it is important for us this morning to focus in on character. You say, Pastor, what does this have to do with World Evangelism Sunday? I'm glad you asked. We're talking about world evangelism. Well, you know, evangelism starts on your street. We had a meeting yesterday about uh, this, this, this new app that we're implementing and using, something that you can put into use in your own life to be a light in your community. But, you know, I think one of the greatest impediments, the greatest uh, uh, roadblocks for evangelism is when people know that they have a character flaw. When there's some habit in your life which is keeping you from serving the living God with all of your heart. There is this king named Amaziah. There's this throwaway scripture about his life, King Amaziah, also in in Chronicles, where it says that King Amaziah was a good king. He served the Lord, but only without his full heart. He served God half-heartedly. And what I'm telling you this morning, the reason character is an issue when it comes to the church making impact in our world today is that you begin to disqualify yourself when you don't deal with issues of character in your heart. How are we going to send missionaries who have a half-hearted motivation? John Wooden, famous coach, said, Be more concerned about your character than your reputation. Because your character is what you really are, your reputation is merely what others think you are. How do we... How do... How is character flaws revealed in our lives? Well, there's a few examples that I can share with you. There are those who get themselves into a bad situation and begin to tell little lies. 
little lies to get out of a bad situation. People who make commitments, promises, and then fail to follow through. That's a character issue. We say flattering things to people that we want to impress, otherwise known as brown-nosing. That's a character flaw. We say, we, we, we speak gossip about people behind their backs. Oh, no, not here in Virginia Beach. No, people don't actually do that, do they? Gossip is a character issue. If you say something about somebody behind their back that you wouldn't say to them in front of their face, that's a character flaw. Why don't you say it in front of their face? Because you're afraid of what they would think. So don't say it at all, right? When we allow our tempers to flare, we allow rage to overcome our thinking minds. We shout at our children for nothing or our wives or our husbands. There are those who refuse to apologize when they know they've done wrong. See, all of these are little areas that, yeah, you know, if, if it happens once or twice, you know, it doesn't have a profound effect on your life. But these are character issues, and they'll catch you. There was the story of Bertha. Bertha was one of those people that she had no ability to ride in a car without telling whoever was driving what to do and when to do it. She was the worst backseat driver in the world. Her husband, Morris, began to tell her, Honey, stop being a backseat driver. But she said, I'm not. I'm not a backseat driver. She claimed that she seldom, if ever, made comments about his driving. And suddenly, she was proved incorrect. One day, Morris was driving Bertha, and they had their grandson, Tommy, in the car, they, took him, they were taking him to the mall when little Tommy piped up, Grandpa, before you married Granny, who told you how to drive? See, when we know that there is a character flaw, see, we have the tendency to run on our strengths and ignore our weaknesses. And what I'm saying this morning, like Hezekiah, is we've got to be willing to examine the weak places of our character if we are going to continue growing and advancing in our faith. And so this is why God allowed Hezekiah to experience a test. God will test us. Did you know that? We know that God does not tempt. He doesn't tempt us with sin, but he does test you. I've experienced God's testing many times. We read about them in the Bible. Joseph experienced a 20-year test through difficult circumstances, like being falsely accused, thrown in prison, rejected by his brothers. That was a very long and arduous test. Job was tested incredibly with physical, uh, uh, re- uh, re- what's the word? Physical uh, sicknesses and uh, emotional hardship with grief and loss of his own sons and, and, and his family. That was a test. There's also the test that that God had with Abram and Sarah. Delayed fulfillment of a promise. I mean, that can be a test. God, I don't see the thing that you've promised. I don't see that you're working. How do you act in that situation? 
There's the difficult test of obedience in Genesis 22. God spoke to Abraham after finally fulfilling the promise. Here's the son, Isaac, the son that he had waited on and believed God for. And God gave him a test. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, up to the mountain and offer him there as a sacrifice. What an incredible test. Difficult to pass. How many of y'all like tests? The only time you like a test is when you're completely prepared for it, right? You've studied, you've done the work. The problem with the tests that come from God is that many times you don't know they're coming. It's a surprise. It's a pop quiz. How do we respond to the test? These are tests of our character. We must trust God during the test. Remember why. Remember why God tests you. Don't get angry. Job 23, verse 10. Listen to the, the, the perspective of Job who was tested with greater uh, fervency than any of us. He said, God knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The test is a refining process. It's where God heats things up in your life And just the same as as they refine gold in a fire, they melt it down to a boiling point, and you know that the impurities rise up to the top of the surface so that they can skim it off. And what it remains is the pure gold. It is the metal which is tested in fire. The hardest kind of steel is the steel which has been heated up to an incredible amount, and after it cools, it's a It's twice as strong as it was before. What about you? You can go through a test and come out stronger. Or you can fail a test and have to relearn it. Being a, a going through and experiencing a test is not that God doesn't care about you. In fact, it shows that God has a future for you. And he has a purpose for you. And so let's look at this test of Hezekiah and learn from it as we close. Number one, why did the ambassadors come in the first place? We read that, uh, that in the scripture that these, these, uh, these ambassadors came from the land of Babylon. Okay, so what you have to understand is that the land of Babylon, they were one of the most advanced cultures when it came to reading the signs in the sky. This is also why you have... Uh, the, 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 um, the, the wise kings from the east who came to visit at the birth of Jesus, right? Because they read that there was, there was a, this sign in the sky and they traveled from thousands of miles away. They looked at the sky and understood something was happening here. So remember in Babylon, they were masters at reading the constellations and the sky and the signs that were there and the planets and the, and the positions of the stars and all of this. And all of a sudden, one day, they're looking up at the sky and they're using their instruments to measure and they're saying, what just happened? The earth just turned 10 degrees the wrong way. Something has happened. Something incredible has happened. We've got to go figure out why. You know, we better go to that land where we know incredible miracles happen. Jerusalem. There's got to be an answer there. This is why they came to meet with Hezekiah. And God uh, and Hezekiah began to tell these ambassadors from a faraway land all the miracles that God had done for him. He calls them wonders. 
He tells them how God had annihilated this army, 185,000 soldiers in one night. He tells them how God had healed Hezekiah from certain death. An absolute miracle. And because they were advanced astronomers, they were amazed when he began to tell them of the account that I was sick, I was on my deathbed, I cried out to God, and he answered my prayer, and he said, what would be the sign that you heal me? And he said, let the, let the shadow move backward by 10 degrees. Now this got their attention, because this is what we saw. We saw that something shifted in the sky. It says in 2 Kings 20, verse 30, about this account as they are having this meeting, is that Hezekiah hearkened unto them. What does that mean? It means that in this moment, Hezekiah began to feel like a celebrity. Oh yeah, baby. What did God do for me? That's right. Yeah, you came from these these thousand miles away to hear about all the miracles that, that happened in my life. It was like... He became a celebrity. Can I tell you, we are living in a celebrity culture right now. We're living now in a time that you can create a profile on social media and you can become famous in a matter of weeks. I want to tell you, there's danger in that. Celebrity can do damage to a person's soul. When all of a sudden you feel like there's a lot of people looking at your life, it will change how you act and how you are perceived. Listen to what this produced in Hezekiah's heart. This is 2 Chronicles 32, verse 25. This is a message for this generation, for the TikTok generation. 2 Chronicles 32, 25. This is message translation. The sign, instead of making Hezekiah grateful, made him arrogant. And this made God angry. And his anger spilled out on Judah and Jerusalem. So what, what exactly happened here with all of these miracles that has happened in his life? What happened is that he began to think, check out what I did. He, did, he wasn't saying, look at all the amazing things God has done. He said, look at what happened to me. Look at my efforts. Look at my successes. Look at the accumulation of all my riches. And then he makes a terrible mistake. He says to the guys, hey, come, take a look at this. He takes them to the storehouse. And he shows them all of the wealth that had accumulated under his reign. He shows him. He shows all these ambassadors from Babylon. You think he'd start to get an idea. Maybe I shouldn't be showing all this stuff off. All of the shields and all of the weapons of warfare. And he begins to show them all of the wealth and the riches. And, uh, and, and so he, then the, uh, the prophet Isaiah says, that was stupid. Why did you do that? You just gave away all the secrets of the kingdom. You bozo. Can I tell you something? It is very critical to have somebody in your life that can tell you when you're doing something stupid. It is so important. Because Hezekiah has reached this point. Look, he's not a novice. He's been around a long time. He's done a lot of incredible things for God and for the kingdom of Judah. He's got some experience. He knows what it's like to have victory. To be healed by God. 
And yet he's doing something so stupid. In fact, as we get older and as we age in our faith, sometimes that is the most common time for us to do stupid things. To do things that we never would have thought of doing when we were new converts. To begin loosening up on standards. To begin loosening up on character issues and uh, things that you used to say, oh, I'd never get involved. I would never miss an outreach. I would never miss a prayer meeting. I would never, listen, I would never. And all of a sudden, guess what? Compromise. We find ourselves mellowing. We find ourselves getting less excited. I never, you know, new convert, I'll never miss a service. I would never, and today, what we're willing to miss a service for. This is what's happening with Hezekiah. It used to be every time you had a conversation, somehow you'd start talking about Jesus. Somehow you'd start talking about what God was doing in the last church service. You were so excited, right? And today, it seems like you talk about your sports team more than Jesus. You talk about your portfolio more than Jesus. You talk about the the latest events in the news more than Jesus. That's a problem. Don't make the mistake of Hezekiah. You better have somebody in your life, like a prophet Isaiah, who said, why did you do that? Why did you say that? You bozo. You better make things right. I thank God that I still have a pastor that can say, "Uh, yeah, uh, that was stupid. Thank God. I don't like to hear that, but I need to hear that sometimes. God sent word to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah. Why did you show them all this? What did you say to them? If Hezekiah would have said, I told them about the miracles of God, that would have been okay. But that's not what he told them. He said, look at all the things I've accomplished. It reminds me of King Nebuchadnezzar. As he looks across the great city of Babylon and he declares that all of the wonderful things that he had, look at this great city of Babylon, all the things that I've done, and immediately God struck him with madness. You think, you think you're capable of all these amazing things, Nebuchadnezzar? It's amazing because he's not even a, a man of faith. Like what? He doesn't care about God, but God cares about what he's saying. Take notice. When you get too big for your own britches, when you get too smart, you become the smartest person in the room all of a sudden. God says, hold on a second. You better remember me. God was the one who had attracted the attention of neighbors. Could Hezekiah stop the earth from spinning and turn it around the other direction? Are you kidding me? What he should have been saying was, God did an incredible miracle. God gets the glory. God gets the fame, not me. Hezekiah begins bragging on himself and ended up being tempted by the things that he said. I want to challenge you this morning. How's your character? I can look at people here and I have great respect and reverence and I give glory to God for the people here who have, you have been faithful doing things for the kingdom of God for many years, but that does not mean that you have reached perfection. Can you still allow someone to look at the issues of your life and to bring correction? 
If not, you'll make mistakes like Hezekiah did. I want to show you a picture of an athlete from the most recent Tokyo Olympics. You know, it's sad to me that the controversial athletes get all the press and all the attention. It means that the attention and the, and, um, the stories, the important stories, are suppressed in the news. This is a picture of uh, an athlete named Sydney McLaughlin. She went, uh, ran the 400-meter hurdles, won a gold medal, gold medal in Tokyo just a few weeks ago. Not only that, she set a world record in the process. And her quote was, she was trusting the process. She said, I'm giving the glory to God. It's all this season, hard work, dedication. I'm really grateful to be able to represent my country and have this opportunity. Her record time of 51.46 seconds broke her own five-week-old record of 51.9 seconds. She said, all glory to God, to NBC. After she set the world record, according to Sports Spectrum, honestly, this season is just working with my new coach and my support system. It's truly just faith and trusting the process. I couldn't ask for anything more, and truly, it is all a gift from God. She wrote on Instagram at the time, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. Records come and records go. The glory of God is eternal. That's what we should be reading in the news. She said, for 21 years, I was running from the greatest gift I could ever receive. And by his grace, now I have been saved. I no longer live, but Christ in me. My past has been made clean because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did she do? She did something that the world says, wow, how could you possibly do that? Breaking a world record. She says, not me, but him. When we live for God for some time, we have a tendency, we have a temptation, we have a test from God to think, oh, because of all my good decisions. No. If you follow your good decisions, it will lead to destruction. How many remember that? But if we will give glory to God, we will keep a mind that is right with the Lord Jesus Christ. I close with this last story. A man named Henry Snowden. He pulled up to the drive-in window at a Burger King in Deltona, Florida. He ordered and paid for his meal and eased away from the window. And when he finally pulled over to eat on the side of the road, he had the shock of his life. There was nothing wrong with his burger or his french fries. But the clerk working at the window had given him two bags at the same time. In one bag, he had his food, and in the other bag, there was $4,170 in cash, the money that had been made in the previous few hours. It was obviously a mistake. And yet, Henry Snowden, who was a believer, felt a powerful temptation. There was no camera there at the drive-in window. It was a dark and busy night. There was a full line of cars the cash had been untraceable, and he could, at that moment, simply drive away with $4,000, and nobody would know it. All he had to do was put his car in drive and keep going. What would you do? 
In his heart, he knew that the right thing would be to take it back to the restaurant. He said, I have to admit, I was definitely tempted. He overcame that temptation and returned the money. That's the only reason we know about this story. He said, I'm glad I was able to do the right thing. I feel better than I've ever felt. A good conscience will give you a right heart. Listen to me today. I wonder how many of God's people who show up on church on Sunday morning would drive away and shut their mouth. It's a matter of character. It's a matter of conscience. There is an inner witness, the Holy Spirit, who speaks to us. And right now, I believe God is speaking to God's people about issues of character that are active in your heart today. Issues, perhaps long-term tradition in your life, part of your character, a flaw that has existed for many, many years. It is time today, God, I want you to heal me. I want you to change me. I want you to refine me. I want to pass the test. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.